Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. sacrifice for our sins so we could have a new life spiritual life eternal life and a new purpose here on planet earth for all who believe in the one and only son of god amen we gather here to learn about our creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify god and to serve our lord and savior and one another our goal is to grow spiritually and to start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we study it, learn it, use it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. I want to personally welcome all of you to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. Also, I want to say hello to our family are watching on the live feed who can't be with us here this morning. We love you all and thank you for your continued support. If you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb this morning's service? And we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this beautiful opportunity, Lord, to gather together as your family, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and place your name above all names, even our own, as we all fight to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for getting us here safely. Thank you for all your provisions you provide to meet our needs, Lord. Thank you for answered prayer, Lord. Thank you for bringing our brother George back to us, Lord. Our sister Giselle, as we're working on Doreen too, Lord, to bring her back to the congregation. Thank you for bringing Aunt Connie to us this morning, Lord. We're grateful to have her with us. We love her, and we love everyone in the congregation. Lord, teach us to love one another unconditionally. I pray that you take all the bitterness out of our hearts this morning and fill it with your unconditional love so we can get a crystal clear message through your word and by your spirit, Lord. Help us all, Lord, to live a life worthy of the call and to grow spiritually so we can understand why you saved us, Lord, the very reason, so we can bring others into your kingdom, glorify you, and all become like Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And as always, let everything be led by your spirit this morning, Father, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' powerful name. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing. We're going to get started.
Thanks, Brett. Because he lives, we live. Amen? Beautiful day, beautiful song, beautiful church. I'd also like to say a special prayer this morning for uh, Sister Pat, who went and joined to be with the Lord. I had an opportunity to go visit her before she passed on to see the Lord, and we spoke. And she's home with the Lord this morning, and we say a special prayer for her and her family, that you comfort them, Lord, and reassure them that you're with her, and she's up there smiling right now and happy, and no more pain and no more suffering. Amen? We say a special prayer for that family to keep them in prayer. Awesome. So how's everybody doing this morning, all right? I just want to say, yesterday was an awesome day. We had a lot of people came in here. One body, many pots. I got to say, it was unbelievable. We had the guys downstairs that are working on the ceiling tiles. Paul's doing the walls. Colin, it was everybody. And then we went across the street and cleaned the memorial. Amen. Amen. It's been so neglected. But that's love in action. Charity is doing things for others. It's a sacrifice to make life better for others. Amen. So that's awesome. That's all. That's a beautiful thing. I just want everybody to recognize how proud I am of our congregation that they would sacrifice their time to come and do these things for the Lord. Amen. <laughs> it looks beautiful. The church is looking beautiful. She's coming back to her former glory. Amen. You're welcome. We are going to, there's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> We're going to get this place like it was when it first opened, amen? amen? One day at a time, one person at a time. Thank you, Jesus, as he leads us, amen? All right, we've got a very important message today. I know because I'm very nervous and full of anxiety, but I know who's got my back. And I know this is an important message for us. First, let's go to First Peter chapter 5. She's got me in a corner here. She's got me at verse 1. I can't back up. I could go to 1 Peter 4, though, and then come forward, but I, I won't do that. <laughs> I can go forward, though. <laughs> All right, we are using the black Bibles in the pews. Please help yourself to them. There is a blue card, I believe, in all the pews with all the scriptures and the pages on there to make it easier for you to get to the scriptures that our sister Donna did for us. That was great. We're grateful for that. So please help yourself to it. 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to verse 1. Advice for elders and young men. And now, a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now we're going to go forward. This is very, very important. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember, that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, 
So the Bible tells us we are going to suffer. He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation or power to him forever and ever. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, so he's saying after you suffer a while, he's going to restore us. He's going to support us and he's going to strengthen us while we place you on, it puts us on a firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. The solid rock I stand, while all the ground is sinking sin. Now you have to understand, in order to get restored, there has to be a tear down first. And the tear down is your sin nature. The Lord is tearing away your sin nature each day. And he's bringing you into a new nature in the spirit. So this is the process that is painful for our flesh. We don't want to give up doing the things we like to do. We don't want to give up talking about people. We don't want to give up complaining. We like to complain. We like to belittle others. We do all these things in our flesh. He's trying to kill that in us and make us like who? Jesus. The very reason this is so important because this is tied into the message we're going to talk about this morning. And guess what it is? It is about spiritual growth. What is spiritual growth? How do I know if I'm growing in some ways that I can grow? Can I get an amen here? Very important. You know, I say this all the time, that our goal is to grow spiritually. We have to understand what that means. And I'm going to explain it this morning so we can all understand it. Can I get an amen here? So the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over as I go into these scriptures. So you get a crystal clear understanding of what spiritual growth really is. How about a big amen there? Amen. All right. What happens first when a believer gets saved? The Holy Spirit comes inside the believer and starts working on the believer on the inside, not the outside. The things we do outwardly are the fruit of our salvation, not the condition of it. Can I get an amen? Now listen, spiritual growth is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. When we place our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins the process of making us more like him, conforming us to his image. Spiritual growth is perhaps best described in 2 Peter chapter 1. So please turn with me there. I'm going to start there this morning, 2 Peter chapter 1. Is everybody with me so far? All right, pay attention. This is very important that we get an understanding of what spiritual growth is. Which tells us that by God's power, we have everything we need to live lives of godliness, which is the goal of spiritual growth. Okay, 2 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 3. Boy, you guys are getting there faster and faster. It's all right. It doesn't matter how you get there. As long as you do. I don't want to know how you got there. Get there as fast as you can, whatever it takes. <laughs> Spare me the details about it. Just get there. Whatever it takes. If you got it mocked, you got it this, whatever. It makes my job just a little bit easier. Okay? By, now listen now. This has nothing to do with you what this process is. By his divine power, by the power of God, through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So we don't have to pray for anything else. We already have it. All that you need has already been done. When you believed in Jesus Christ, he put his spirit in you and gave you everything we need to live for God. Now the fight begins. Because you used to live for yourself. And now that God transformed you and wants you to live for him, killing you off is the problem in what you want. And that's the process that we are going to talk about of spiritual growth, which solves many, many of the problems in your life. Okay? Now, how did we get... It says we need for living... Now, look what it says. We have received all of this by coming to church. No. We've received all this by coming to know him. Now, how do you come to know him? By reading the word of God. That's how you come to know him. When you believe in Jesus, you have Jesus. 
Now, you have to grow and get to know Jesus. And how do you get to know Jesus as you read that book in your hand? From Genesis to Revelation. From the beginning to the end. That's how you begin to know him. Now we get an understanding of this, right? The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. He called you. He called you and he planted a desire in your heart to want to get to know him. Can I get an amen there? Okay. Now look what it says in verse 4. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Now, we handed out promise books. All the promises are in the Bible that contained in that promise book is for each and every one of us to learn, understanding that those promises for everyone that sits as a believer in Jesus. Okay? Now, look at, now what, are these promises, what are these promises capable of doing for us? Look what it says. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption. So if you want to escape the world's corruption, it's always trying to corrupt the Christian, you have to understand what he promised you. Look what it says. To escape the world's corruption caused by what? Human desires or caused by our flesh. The desires within us are caused by our flesh. And he's given us the opportunity to what? Go after the things of him instead of the things of the flesh. Now, now look what it says. In this view... In view of all this, now that we get an understanding of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Okay, so you know, he's given you the promises. Now he says you have to respond to them. What are you going to do with these promises? Are you going to respond to the promise? Now he's saying, look at it says. Supplement your faith. What is a supplement? You take a supplement, you take a vitamin, because maybe you're not eating right. So you take a vitamin that supplements the lack of nutrition that you're getting. It's a supplement. When you go to the gym, you take supplements to enhance your workout, to enhance your growth. That's what he's saying. Now that you already have everything, he's saying, now this is the stuff that you have to do. This is what you have to do now. Okay? Supplement your faith. With the generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. By the way, self-control is not willpower. Self-control is God. When you give God control, he gives you self-control. has nothing to do with willpower. He changes your desires. Willpower is you not doing something that you want. And you stop doing it, but you still want it. Eventually, you'll do it by, on a sneak. You'll give in to it. Self-control is him giving us his power and desires. When your desires come, he transforms them into his desires, gives you self-control, saying, no, I'm not doing what I want. I'm doing what God wants. That's what self-control is, making the choice. Can I get an amen here? Listen now. Now look, look, now, look at it says, with knowledge and self-control, and self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. Now, how many of us have a problem with patience? All of us want spiritual growth, and we want it faster. But the, it, it doesn't come fast. It comes over time. As our flesh slowly gets crucified and we slowly get transformed into the image of Christ. You have to give yourself a lot of room to grow. And you have to give your brothers and sisters a lot of room to grow. Everybody's at a different place. Okay? And we with me so far? Now he said patience. Now, not just patience, patient endurance. To hang on to that patience. Say, all right, I'm patient for a little while. Then he's saying, no, you've got to be patient longer and longer and longer. And he gives you the endurance to just remain patient, to wait on God. The problem is for a believer, we put God on a time frame, saying, okay, God, you didn't do this for me yet. I'm taking control back. And how's that working for you? Be patient. 
God is working in your life, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him, Philippians. Now listen. With godliness, verse 7. With godliness, and godliness with what? Brotherly affection. How does that fit into this? What? Loving each other inside the church. Building each other up or making allowances for each other's faults. That's important for what? To grow spiritually. When you come in here in the spirit, we all get along. Yesterday, all of us, we were doing all kinds of different things. None of us were bickering. We just did it. We did it in the spirit, not the flesh. When you do something in the spirit, it's a joy. It's glorious. You want to do it. And nobody's forcing you. You actually want it. You want to do it. There's no force in the spirit. The spirit is giving us a desire to truly, really want to do it. And not ask for anything in return or want to get recognized for it. Because God sees everything. The Bible says if you want to get recognized here for what you're doing, you miss out your reward in heaven. So you just wait on him. Don't worry. God sees everything. Now, listen to what it says. In godliness and brotherly affection with what? Love for everyone. What kind of love for everyone are they talking about? 1 Corinthians 13 love. Love does no wrong to others. Is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. It's always hopeful, never stops. Now look what it says in verse 8. Now this is something that you have to understand. The more you grow this way, like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at his the but. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. What is he saying? Your old sins have been cleansed. There's no need to repeat them again. And if you keep doing it, you forgot that he cleansed you of them. That's what he's saying. You forgot that you've been cleansed of it. You no longer have to commit them anymore. Can I get an amen here? If you don't grow this way, if you don't supplement your faith, this is what happens to the believer. We become short-sighted and blind, forgetting that we've been forgiven with everything, and the devil starts heaping burdens on you. So you say that you're saved. Look at you. You're still doing all these nasty things. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by what we believe. And the devil will always try to come in and say it's your performance that saves you. Our performance is the fruit of our salvation, not the condition of it. When you do things for the Lord, that proves that you are saved. It proves that you're not doing things for yourself. You're doing things for God instead of doing things for yourself. It's called sacrifice. The King David said the king wanted to offer the sacrifice to him. He said, here's the cow. David said, I will not offer anything to God unless it costs me something. Sure, people serve the Lord when it's convenient for them. But God says, I want you to serve me when it inconveniences you. When something that you wanted to do, you say, I'm not doing it. I'm doing what God called me to do instead. That's sacrifice. Not convenience when you think you're available for God. You're always available for God as a believer. Whenever he calls on you to do anything. That's how you understand if you're growing spiritually. You know, um, Isaiah, God was looking for someone to prophesy. Isaiah said, use me. He said, use me, Lord. Do you have that? Are you on fire that way? Use me, Lord. Is there a need? Use me. I want to be available. Or can nobody find you till next Sunday? That's the question. And we're going to talk about spiritual growth. People really think they're growing spiritually just by coming to church. That's part of it. We have to come to church. All right. Is everybody with me so far? Now look at verse 10. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will 
never fall away. Do you not want to fall away from God? He says if you do these things that he's telling you to do and supplement your faith, you will never fall away. Can I get a big amen there? How many of us fall away? And I'm not saying fall away, not coming to church anymore. You can come to church and fall away. You can make this a religious ritual and fall away, not even be connected to God at all. Just doing your religious duties. That's not why he saved you. He saved you so you could become like Jesus, and that's what I'm going to show you what the scriptures tell us. And I'm going to teach you how to do it. So now you can say, I'm without excuse. Now he says, do these things and you'll never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How about a big amen there? Notice that what we need comes through our knowing of him. Get through knowing him, that's what we need. Which is the key to obtaining everything we need. Okay? Our knowledge of him comes from the word given to us for our edification and growth. He gives us the word for our edification and our growth. There are two lists in Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 23. Okay, I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Love to hear them pages turning. <laughs> Everybody thinks they got their life figured out. God's the one who created you. Don't you think he got you figured out better than you? Do you ever try to figure somebody out and you say, what's going on with these? These people are nuts. I can't figure them out. I can't even figure myself out. Sometimes the thoughts that go through my head. How about you? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is not just weak, but evil. Now, the acts of the flesh, these are the things that are identified in our lives before we came to Christ for salvation. Listen now. The acts of the flesh are the activities we ought to confess repent of, and with God's help overcome. As we experience spiritual growth, fewer and fewer of the acts of the flesh will be evident in our lives. All right, Galatians chapter 5, go with me to verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life which is the word of God, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. See what I'm trying to say? God doesn't just, it's not willpower, it's he gives us new desires. See, when you desire something, you go after it. So he's given us desires of things of God instead of the desires of the things of the flesh. Okay, can I get an amen? We understand that, right? He gives us new desires. That's what the Holy Spirit comes in and is due. Now it says, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So you get the flesh and the spirit fighting all the time against the things of God. Have you not noticed this fight that you all have? I don't care how many times you come to church. We're going to have this. You have to make peace with this fight. This fight is never going to go away. As long as you're living in this body, you will fight the flesh till you go home to be with him. Now sometimes when you're spiritually in tune, you beat the flesh. But sometimes when you're not, what happens? The flesh wins. And then you get the end of the day, I shouldn't have did that. Where at the end of the day, when you do it in the spirit, hallelujah, I'm glad I didn't do that. It passed. The choice is yours. That's the thing. He never takes away our choice. 
He simply gives us the power to make the right one now. Understand that, believer. He gives us a choice. You can still live in your evil flesh as long as you're a Christian till you go home to be with him. That's your choice. But you will suffer the consequence of that sin nature while you're here. Thank God when you get up there, it'll be gone. But you will be suffer the consequence of your sin nature as a believer down here. Now look what it says. So that when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. What do they mean by the law? The law gives sin power. When a law comes and says you can't do something, your flesh says, why can't I do that? It gives, it gives the flesh power. It gives sin power. Where if you didn't have a law, it wouldn't have any power. Because you wouldn't even think of doing something against it. Now listen what it says. When you follow the desires of your sin nature or your flesh, everybody has this now. The results are very clear. This is what happens when you live in the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, witchcraft, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. All of us have that in our sinful nature. There's not one person in this room that doesn't have that. We are born into it. We all have it. Can I get any men here? This is what we fight against every day as a Christian. And then it says, let me tell you again, as I before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What are they saying? Well, if you're living like that, the Spirit's not convicting you and it's not bothering you to live that way. How are you going to get in the kingdom of God? You're not going to get in the kingdom of God. You never believed it to begin with. But when you start to be a believer, these things start to bother you. You no longer like to commit them, even though you might. They bother you. That's how you know the Holy Spirit's in you, doing something inside you. We're going to fight them, and we're going to fall to them sometimes, but we're no longer going to live in them. Again, amen here. To get an understanding of this. Now, the second list is the fruit of the Spirit. These are what should characterize our lives now. That we have experienced salvation in Jesus Christ. Spiritual growth is identified by the fruit of the Spirit becoming increasingly evident in a believer's life. Is everybody with me so far? All right, now, look at verse 16. Let me get some turbo. Hold on. <laughs> like I need it, right? <laughs> Jesus gives me enough passion to catch me on fire every time. Huh? Excuse me? All right. My wife's giving me some kind of signal. I have to just sex with her. I'm not going to 16? Oh, yeah, no, we're going to, all right. <laughs> no, we're going to verse 22. I'm sorry, see? See? That's why I got a wife. See, I get, when I get the look, nobody can give me this look but her. Something's off, so I have to check into it. Believe me, that's to help me. Sometimes I don't want the look, but nonetheless, it's for my own good. <laughs> and I throw that in there. Come on now. It keeps me off the couch, too. Very easy for a guy to get on the couch. Just don't be obedient to your wife. That's all. You see yourself fast, you get on the couch. But here's the thing. When I'm obedient to her, that means I'm obedient to Jesus because he told me to treat her like I would, Jesus. If you look at your wife, if I look at my wife like Jesus, if that was Jesus sitting there, how would I treat him? 
with love, people. Oh, Jesus, anything for you. Can I get you something to eat? Can I get you something to drink? Instead of saying, go get it yourself. I work all day. Get it? That's why spiritual growth is becoming Christ-like is the key to being happy. A happy wife is a happy life. You guys ought to know that by now. I digress. But no, the Bible tells us to love your wife and never treat him harshly. Never. And the Bible says, wives, love your husband and submit to them. Boy, is that a work in progress. Especially if you've got a history. You know that. We're working on it, though. I said, Lord, please help me to shut my mouth at home. I'm good everywhere else. At home, I'm struggling. I zip it. It's hard to zip it at home. Let me give you a little news flash. You can be in church and look really good and like a good Christian, but you're the real you is at home, okay? So don't think you're fooling me. You're not. Because I know what I'm like at home. And if I'm like that at home, I can just imagine what you are like at home. Can we be real here? Come on, can we get an amen? Amen. All right. Please. Let's be real. We're healing here from our sin nature, which is we, we're good at covering it up when we come to church. So I'm going to bring a box of fig leaves in for you. Cover it up. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing just wonderful. When, you know, when you came in, you were cussing everybody and yelling at your wife before you got in the parking lot. So you can't fool the pastor. Because guess what? I get a diamond in it too. <laughs> I'm not on some ivory tower. No, I'm going through the same things you are. So I know. So you can just take the church face off and leave it at home. Because ain't, I ain't buying it. So... All right, are we ready? Look at verse 22. Now, this is what the Holy Spirit will produce in the believer's life if they allow it. This kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So just imagine if that was your life, all them things. You always had what? Love in your heart. Always full of joy. Always peaceful. Think about this. Full of patience. Kindness to everybody. Goodness. Faithfulness to God. Gentleness and self-control. Do you know what that is? That's heaven. That's what heaven is like. That's what the sin, without your sin nature is going to be like. Always that way. But here's the thing, my brothers and sisters. You don't have to wait to get to heaven. You can have that now. It's your choice. It's your choice. You can have all that right now if you choose to do things and obey God. But we have this flesh that's very rebellious against God, especially when it doesn't get its way. How many of us like somebody say no to you? Oh, can you do that for me? No. <laughs> what do you mean no? None of us like no. God says no, he doesn't have to tell you why. Because he knows what's good for you and what's not. Some of us can't take no for an answer. So we get what? Bitter. The Bible says to get better, not to get bitter. When you get bitter, you only hurt yourself. And you hurt the ministry and others. Now it says, look what it says in verse 24. Now, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sin nature to his cross and crucified him there. The old you is what they're saying. The old you got up there and we nailed the old you to that cross and you died. You died with Christ, it's trying to say. Your sin nature in Christ's eyes is dead. He doesn't see it anymore. When you believed in him, he erased everything. Past, present, and future. Now it says, and crucified him there. Now look at verse 25. Since we are living by the Spirit, now he's saying, once your, <clears throat> once your flesh is dead, now you can live by your Spirit. You see it? The flesh is dead. 
What do you mean dead? Well, does a dead man lie? Does a dead man sin? Does a dead man gossip? Does a, is a dead man jealous? Does a dead man get angry? Does a dead man have any needs? Does a dead man want anything? Why? He's dead. He doesn't need anything. Dead men tell no tales, right? Even the mafia knows that. So why, how come the believer doesn't know that? If you realize, what, if you, see, this is what it is, a lack of understanding of what happened at that cross. When he died there, you died there. When he rose again, you rose again in the spirit. What's the problem? We keep jumping off the cross and coming back alive again. What gets resurrected? Our sin nature keeps getting resurrected instead of our new nature. And this is the process of spiritual growth. Putting that to death for good. Does anybody struggle with this or is it just me? Thank you. Can we be a real church here? Who doesn't struggle with sin in this church? He's the only one. Now, look what it says. Uh, look what it says in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature and crucified them there. Now in verse 25 it says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading only when I want. No, it says in every part of our lives. And that is the process of sanctification. That is the teardown process. The part of your life that doesn't want to give up and die. That jealousy or that gossip or that slander or that sin that trips you up all the time that wants to stay alive. Get it? Let it follow the Spirit, so that has to die. Every, now it says in verse 26, let us not become conceited. Here's another thing that happens you have to watch out for a Christian spiritual pride. I come to church, I read my Bible, I know the scriptures in and out. Yeah, but you can't live one iota of it. You can proclaim it, and you know the Bible in and out, but do you live by any of them words? Or are you just hearers of the word? And never becoming a what? A doer of the word. Is what we're all about here. Actually doing what we say we believe. Let us not become conceited, or provoke one another, or be... Jealous of one another. Why does it say that? Because we still have an, we still, even though we're saved, can still get jealous. And we can still what? Get conceited. Because our flesh is still here. As long as we're in this sinful body, we're going to fight it till we go home. If you can make peace with that, that you are going to fight your flesh till you go home to be with the Lord, then you'll do everything you do, you'll do everything you need to do to keep it at bed. You'll get involved in ministry. You'll get involved with church. You'll get involved in the things that you need to do to overcome these things so you don't continue in them. That's how you know you're growing spiritually when you no longer want to do it and you do whatever it takes to stop doing it. And we provide a lot of things here to help you stop doing it. And it's up to you whether you want to stop doing it or not. That's how you know if you're growing spiritually. When the transformation of salvation takes place, spiritual growth begins. The Holy Spirit indwells us. Go with me to John chapter 14. The moment you believe is when it starts. Now, here's another thing. Is there any periods of time when you fall into unbelief? Like the nation Israel. How many times did they fall into unbelief? When they saw the miracles of God. How many times do we fall into unbelief when prayers don't get answered? Or we get not waiting on God enough. Or we get into unbelief. Ah, he's not working. Nope. I don't believe it. It's not happening. Can anybody honestly say they never fell into unbelief in this church? Don't lie. Look what it says in verse 15 of John chapter 14. 
If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or comforter or encourager or counselor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. So the word of God is what leads us into all truth. Now the world cannot receive him. Why? Because it isn't looking for him. And doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So the apostles were living with Jesus, which Jesus is the Holy Spirit. See, that's how you know the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He says he lives with you and later will be in you. Now what? When you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes inside you. And once he comes inside you, he can't leave. You are sealed. And that spirit will work on you until you go home to be with him. And thank God that he won't leave you. Because you leave him many times. But he doesn't leave you. You could do a lot of things out of his will. But you can never get rid of him. Once you're in, you're in for life. Can I get an amen here? You're in heaven because of what you believe not by your performance. The world always says performance, performance, performance. Now, when you believe something, it starts to come natural after. You don't have to perform. It just comes natural. What can I do for the Lord? You see a transformation. It's like, wow, I can't believe it. Like, all of a sudden, everybody wants to do these things. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's telling them to do it, and they want to do it. You can show, you can see a converted heart right away. You can tell. Now, we're new creatures in Christ. Do you know that? Do you know you're a new creature? Not a creature double feature. I told you we're getting old, right? I remember them shows. <laughs> that was channel 38. <laughs> that was channel 38 with the antenna. just go, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Show, stop. That's no, it's not snowing anymore. And then creature double feature would come on, and you get them... Uh, Japanese thing where they're talking, but you, the, voice, the voice don't line up with the voice because it's saying, I gotta get They're speaking in Japanese, but it's talking in English. That's funny. And, and you know, Godzilla looks like a big blow up animal. He doesn't even look real. He's just like, but every, when you're a kid, it's like cool. All right. He's a, we're new creatures in Christ. You realize God sees you as he sees Jesus right now. As soon as you believe in him, that's what he sees. He doesn't see all your sins anymore. Isn't that awesome? So why do we keep seeing him? Because we've got this ugly flesh that wants to sin, and we've got a devil that wants us, wants us to think that we're not saved. See, he wants to ruin our testimony. And then he wants other believers to say, well, God's grace covers it, so I can do whatever I want down here. Yeah, you can. But the, guess what? The consequences remain. You can do whatever you want down here, but God's going to be harder on a Christian that knows better. Don't think you get away with it. You don't. I think it's Charles Stanley says, you reap later than you sow and more than you sow. So don't think when you get away with something that it's covered like it's not going to come back. It always comes back. Your sin will find you out. And when it does you're not going to like it because it comes back worse than it was, worse than you committed it. And he, just a fair warning. You can do whatever you want. The consequences remain. Sometimes a believer loses his testimony forever. They become shipwrecks because they let their sin nature get the best of them and they used, abused God's grace and really didn't understand what it meant. And It's not a license to sin. It's the freedom to get out of it. When you understand it the right way, you use it for your, for your benefit, not for your torture. All right. Is everybody with me so far? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to have to close here. But look at verse 17. We're going to continue on this subject till we get it. Everybody's going to understand it clearly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
verse 17. This means, verse 17, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. So we're saying your new life has begun as a believer. Now it started. And look what it says in verse 18. Did you have to work for this? And all of this is a, a gift from God. He gave us the gift. What's the gift? The opportunity to crucify your flesh. That's the gift. A new life. Something you could never do without him. You could never change your life without Jesus. The gift is a changed life. People don't understand that. What needs to change? Everything. Look what it says. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself what? Through Christ. Through the word. And God has given us what? This task of reconciling people to him. Why did he save me? He gives us a task to get other people saved. Amen. That's what he saved us for. So we can reconcile other people into the kingdom. And what do a lot of Christians do? They keep it to themselves. They become pregnant with God's word and never give birth. Don't really understand why he saved you. He saved you to get someone else in that in the pew. Who told you about Jesus? Just imagine if somebody didn't tell you about him. You wouldn't be here either. So it's a selfish thing to keep it to yourself. He gave it to you to give to someone else. That's how you fill the church. The body of Christ. One body, many parts. We're all saved to reconcile people to Jesus. All of us have that task. But first he's got to what? Clean us out. He's got to get rid of the old you. And when he gets rid of the old you, he uses you as a vessel of honor. As an example of what it's like to be transformed from that old, evil, selfish person to that new creature in Christ. But if that transformation doesn't take place in you, how can you help anybody else transform if you haven't transformed yourself? That's what I'm talking about, spiritual growth, transformation. Am I really transforming? Am I changing? Am I desiring the things of God more than the things of the flesh? Is the Holy Spirit getting in there and dialing it in? Is he getting in there? Or are you shutting him out? Saying, no, I'm not done with my life yet. Then when Jesus comes back, you have your hand in shame. Say, Lord, I know I was supposed to do things for you, but I just wasn't ready. Oh, and there's other people, yeah, I'm ready to come, Lord. I'm ready. I did what you asked me to do. Well done, my good and faithful servant. How about a big amen there? So now we have to understand what spiritual growth really is. All right, we're going to stop there. Thank you for letting me share that. I'm going to call the ushers up to take the collection, and we are going to close.